Oh, it gives my liturgical heart such warmth to see all the red around the room on Pentecost Sunday. That's wonderful. And here we are, 10 days after the day of the ascension, when Jesus ascended to be with the fathers. We were talking about last Sunday. This day should not come as a surprise to the disciples because Jesus has told them over and over again that he is going to send the Holy Spirit. Of course, when wind and fire come into the room, that is probably a surprise for them because they could not anticipate, and neither can we personally, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Jesus says in today's gospel reading, out of a believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. He said this about the Spirit, which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was not yet glorified, so there was no Spirit. Living waters and the Holy Spirit. So kind of get those things in your mind that when Jesus is talking about living waters, he's talking about the Holy Spirit who he will send. And it is necessary for him to return to the Father for the Holy Spirit to come. He'd earlier promised them in John 16, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's later on from today's passage. He has told them before in Luke, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, that they are to stay in the city. And then in Acts 1.4, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of us who has been baptized in water is also baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'll look at that a little bit later. But what's happening in these 10 days between Ascension and Pentecost? He's told them to stay in Jerusalem. They're probably in the upper room where they had the last supper with Jesus, where they were and Jesus appeared to him to them on the day of the resurrection on Easter morning as the doors were closed and they were petrified in fear that whatever knock they heard, whatever movement on the outside of those doors quite possibly presaged death for them and quite possibly a gruesome death by crucifixion. But it's the same room. And what are they doing? They are praying. And there are certainly the 11, but we hear there are also the women. And Mary is noted as being amongst those women. Jesus' brothers are also there. 
And apparently there are others, I don't know whether they're all in that room, but there are 120 other brothers who are gathered. There's a large group, and they are devoting themselves to prayer. They're following Jesus' command, devoting themselves to prayer. Now, uh, Luke wants to make sure that we recognize that on this day of Pentecost, It is also a Jewish feast day. Remember that Jesus Jesus died on the feast of Passover. Throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, we see that Jesus perfectly fulfills many of the ancient Jewish feasts and festivals. Passover, you remember, was the Jewish festival that was always celebrated as the, as the angel of death had passed over all of the Israelites who had daubed blood on the lintels of their homes. And because of that, they were then able to be taken out of slavery through the Red Sea waters. That's the Passover feast that the Jews celebrated each year. And it's at Passover that the blood of Jesus gives to us a much greater salvation. So he fills more fully this ancient feast. Well, on this day, it's the feast, the Jewish feast of Pentecost. Pente meaning 50, 50 days after the resurrection, after Passover. It was an ancient Jewish feast, an agricultural feast that had to do with the harvest. So they're giving thanks for the beginning of the harvest, praying for a good rain and good sunshine to bring in a full harvest. But after the Passover, after the Israelites had been freed from slavery in Egypt, 50 days afterwards, and they're in the desert, Moses goes up Mount Sinai and receives the law. So what began as an agricultural feast and actually continues as an agricultural feast has a deeper meaning yet of a law that is given by God for the health of his people. But it's external to the people. This law comes so that the people will have ways to be with each other and in a relationship with God. Of course, he has to go back up there again. But Pentecost is the day that celebrates the giving of the law. But again, whereas that law has been external, the God promises through his prophets that there will come a time when that law will be written on hearts. It won't be something external to God's people. It will be internal. It will be a part of them. Through Jeremiah, God says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And this will be accomplished through the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in us. Jesus says quite clearly, if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus' own Holy Spirit is sent by him after he ascends to the Father. 
In these last days, it will be, Peter says, in this sermon that he preaches after the advent of the Holy Spirit, in the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Up until this point in time, God has empowered his people Um, to be able to do specific acts. So he places a little bit of his spirit onto people. For example, we hear about this in the building of the temple. The architect and the builders were given some of God's spirit so that they knew how to build this magnificent temple. But God's spirit was not available to all people But he proclaims that that promise, Peter says, is now fulfilled. He's experienced it. So what happened on that day as they are praying in the upper room? The breath of God, the ruach of God that was present at creation. God breathed, remember, all of creation into being. That breath of God and the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon all of those disciples with great power. And Peter goes out, this simple fisherman, not in his own strength, only through the power of the Holy Spirit that now has been given to him, and preaches a sermon so amazing that 3,000 people are saved and come to the Lord. They are baptized, 3,000 people at one sermon. Would that the Lord would fall on us in that way. Would that the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit would make all of us able to preach that gospel so that others would know the love and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. A harvest is gathered of 3,000 souls by the preaching of a Galilean fisherman who 50 days earlier had been cowering, fearful, petrified, that he would be taken away and killed. It has been said that through Easter, God took away the fear of death. Through Pentecost, God took away the fear of life. That we can live unafraid because God has come to dwell amongst us. Because with the coming of the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the breath of God, the power of God is not something outside of us, but something that dwells within us. For the Spirit is the earthly presence of the glorified Lord. And this power of the Holy Spirit, if we invite him to do so, can transform listless, lifeless believers into those on fire with the love of God. But be aware 
The wind comes and moves as it will, and it will blow away cobwebs, and it will blow away dust that is gathered in the corners of our interior homes. We do not control the Holy Spirit. But we are to give the Holy Spirit full control over our lives. And the Holy Spirit can do some pretty dramatic spring cleaning when the Holy Spirit so desires. Theologian Hans Kung said, The Holy Spirit can win power and dominion over man so that he becomes man's inner self, so that man no longer lives by his own strength but by God's. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to awaken us individually, spiritually. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us so that we likewise become rivers of living water, that they flow out of us, out into the world in need of knowing Jesus, in need of knowing the power of God's love of his salvation, of new and different and better and more powerful life. Jesus is talking about in this passage in John's 7th chapter about living waters. Where have we heard that before? Well, we've heard it at the well with the Samaritan woman. If you knew who is talking to you, He would give you the living waters. See, he's talking about the Holy Spirit again for this woman's life. To empower her to a different way of living. But this particular time that he is talking about living water. It is another Jewish feast. It's the feast that remembers what the Lord prophesied through Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47. It's a vision of Ezekiel. He says this, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through a water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me, 
Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the water flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Where the living water of the Holy Spirit flows, there will there be life and life abundant. Because you see, now we are the temple. Scripture tells that we are the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us. So that vision of the temple is us. It's the water, the living water of God's Holy Spirit that fills us, that brings us spiritual nourishment, but then is filled up to overflowing so that it flows out from us, out of the doors here, out into a world of darkness, so that the power and the love and the hope and the salvation that it brings will bring light into a dark world filled with evil it's not just for us it's for others through us too often Howard Snyder says the church has been seen more of a collection of individual saved souls than a community of interacting personalities You see, you might look around and think, well, I might know that person or that person as an individual, but do you know that together you're the church? It's as a community that we're the body of Christ. It's as we come together, and not just us, but the church down the road and the next church down the road and the church down there, and the church in Africa, and the church in Australia, and the church in New Zealand, and the church throughout the world, wherever Christians are, that's the body of Christ. Paul says this about it. Everybody, every single person is absolutely critical for the working of the body. There is no hierarchy in the body of Christ. He says this, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. If one part suffers anywhere, if one part 
of the body of Christ suffers. Every part suffers with it. If one is honored, every part rejoices or should rejoice with it. You are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And just so that the body is built up, what does the Holy Spirit do? But the Holy Spirit comes and lives in each of us and gives us gifts. Charisms. Plural charismata. Where we get charismatic. They're not ours. We can't claim them. We can't be prideful about them. We can't think, oh, we're that much and more because X, Y, and Z. They're given by the Holy Spirit to be used by each individual member of the body for what? For the building up of the whole body. So if you're not using your gifts, the body's going around with a limp. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what gifts he has given for you, to you, for the building up of the body. Remember this, it's not dependent on your physical prowess. It's not dependent on your intellectual prowess. It's not dependent on your emotional stability. It is not dependent on any of that. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come and work through whoever the Holy Spirit decides to work through for the building up of the body. Everybody who has been baptized in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, marked as Christ's own forever. It's like an orchestra. If you've just got the French horn playing, well, you don't have the concerto. You need every single instrument doing their part in an orchestra so that the score comes fully alive. So whether you're a flute or a violin or a cello or whatever you are in God's orchestra, you've been given a part to play, each and every one. That's why the Holy Spirit comes for us, to build us up as the body of Christ, but for those who do not yet know Jesus Have we dampened down the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we kind of think, well, I don't know, God had power back then, but listen. In Isaiah, the Lord asks, was my arm too short to deliver you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? By mere rebuke, I dry up the sea and I turn rivers into a desert. Do we question the power of God in this day? Pray. Let's pray. Pray like those in the upper room who awaited the wind and the fire and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Pray with expectation 
that the Lord will do what the Lord has promised. Pray for a fresh wind and a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit for you, for all your areas of personal need, but not just for you, so that filled living waters will flow from each and every one of us and people will know Jesus. And we've been told, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen.